Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Futures Focus, a Prospects 1500 podcast. Back here for episode three, my name is Jake Barry, joined by our fearless leader, co-founder over at Prospects 1500, Scott Green. Scotty Ballgame, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, Barry's Baseball. How are you? Oh, man, I'm doing well. Well, I say I'm doing well, but I think we got to start out with uh, some consensus sad news here. One of our top pitching prospects in the game. Uh, seems like we hear this way too often nowadays, going down with Tommy John surgery. Hunter Green, fireballer for the Cincinnati Reds. Um, Scott, what does this do from from a dynasty perspective for Hunter Green? Oh, man. I was actually thinking about his baseball card values first. <laughs> <laughs> I just I think in the last Bowman break that I did a few months ago, we pulled a really nice blue refractor autograph of uh, Hunter Green and and the guy in the break was really happy. Dynasty wise, I guess uh helps out players like Tony Santillan, I guess. Yeah. I just you know, if if it if it fixes the issue with Hunter and he's electric. I mean, I got to see him in the Futures game. If he can come back in a year, year and a half, whatever it might be and he's stronger than ever, then get it done now, obviously. We hate, as dynasty players, to lose our top prospects, um, but it's the nature of the business with the, with, with the way that the arms are throwing the ball that maybe they weren't physically designed to throw the ball. Um, but the surgery's been a success with so many pitchers. Yeah, and it, it doesn't, you know, I, I'm... I'm on record saying that Tommy John surgery by no means scares me off of guys uh, anymore, at least not like it might have four or five years ago. Um, obviously, there's still a little bit of recovery time there, but I'm like you. The, my, the, the first place my mind went was um, looking at some other pitching prospects in the system. And, you know, I think we can all agree that the Reds have a pretty decent system, at least at the top. But, you know, outside of Tony Santillan, there's there's really not many other options for arms. Um, outside of Hunter Green, at least, you know, guys who have some some upside there. So, no, I'm with you. You know, we, we always kind of take two views on this, one from a, a dynasty perspective, and then two, you know, at least with you and I, we, we always think about baseball cards. Yeah. So <laughs> but, I mean, we, it would be interesting to talk to Rudy, our, um, our Reds contributor for the website. His top 50, you know, Hunter Green was number three for him. And you've got uh, – is it Santillan or Santillan? Uh, I'm not sure how it's pronounced. You know, forgive me for that. He's number eight. Um, and then I don't see another pitcher in their system on his list until you get to you know, Vladimir Gutierrez, number 12, and Packy Naughton at number 15, a left-hander. These aren't top names that you know fantasy baseball, dynasty league, prospect watchers are talking about. Yeah, and I, I do think they have some guys who have put up some relatively good stat lines, but you're right. From a scouting perspective and really the things that we're, uh, we're trying to identify from a dynasty perspective, you know, I, I think um, what you said, three in the top 12 of, of Rudy's list. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's not a good sign. But, uh, you know, we'll move on from, from some sad news. And, hey, I mean, this guy's got a first Bowman Chrome floating around out there, too. John Duplantier uh, was a bit of a, bit of a surprise for me. 
uh, getting the call, and and he uh, actually earned the save on Monday night. Is he a guy that you're putting any stock into for uh, maybe an impact on your fantasy team this season? I dropped Joey Wendell in a league last late last night, who was on the DL. Don't have a lot of DL spots. Um, think I might be able to grab him, you know, in another week or so if he's still out there. But I gr- I did that so I could pick up Duplantier. And, uh, I mean, come on, three innings in his major league debut, right? And he gets the save. Um, he, he relieved Merrill Kelly, who didn't have a bad start either after a, a really tough spring. Mm-hmm. Um, I love uh, Duplantier, especially in that bullpen. And, uh, yeah, if he's available, grab him. Yeah, and I think it's important to note that, obviously, he won't be getting a ton of save opportunities they're going to try and keep him stretched out and this just happened to be one of those you know three inning safe situations <laughs> where he happened to walk into it and uh and yeah I mean it's it was a good outing you know one hit allowed in in those three innings so um yeah it'll be interesting to see uh see what they do with him moving forward I'm not sold on Greg Holland and oh. they've got some other guys you know Archie Bradley is up and down and you know, I really like Yoan Lopez, and I thought that he had a chance to be one of their late-inning, fireballing uh, potential closers. He made the he made the team coming out of spring training, but hasn't been in the uh, ninth-inning discussion. So, Duplantier could pick up some saves moving forward. We don't know his role. Right. Yeah, and I think. I also personally think that some of it might have to do with the Diamondbacks' philosophy, and they might be one of those teams trending towards uh, highest leverage situation for their better pitchers as opposed to just saying, hey, this is our seventh-inning guy, this is our eighth-inning guy, and this is our ninth-inning guy. seems like a lot of teams are heading that way to me. Um, but you're right. There, there are a few options, um, but it doesn't seem like there's any set roles for anybody. So, yeah, you, you know, you're 100% right. Duplantier might be a guy who, who picks up a save or two, and – you know, if he can pick you up a couple strikeouts too, and and uh, have that low whip like he like he showed in his three innings there, then you know that might be a might be a nice ad. Yeah. Hey, I want to go back to uh, Hunter Green just for a minute, and I w- I was thinking about something, and then we got started uh, talking on Duplantier. Mm-hmm. If if someone's in a dynasty league, let's say, and, and I'm going to give you an example of of one that I'm in, and it's just a, a fun freebie league that I do on Yahoo, but it's been around for several years. It's 10 teams, and your minor league roster is only 15 guys. Um, So at any time in the league, only 150 prospects are rostered. And this might be a situation where green maybe is droppable. And, you know, with all the other players that are available, uh, certainly would consider, unfortunately, with the surgery, uh, dropping green in a league like that, as opposed to a league where, you know, deep dynasty, 60, 100 guys deep, you're not going to drop him in a league like that. There's no reason to. But if you've got a smaller minor league roster in your league, maybe it's something to consider. Yeah. And obviously, you know, I think league context has a lot to do with it. If you're, uh, if you're, you can sell him off and, um, well, you know, if you can sell him off, obviously, in a situation like that, you want to sell him off. But I think if I'm a team that's three years away from being competitive or so, um, and I'm really looking to, to my minor league core there, I don't know if I drop him because I know 
that there's been a lot of uh, his stocks down, we'll say. Uh, and there's been some questions surrounding him. And, and sometimes that happens with guys that have a meteoric rise. And I don't know if a lot of other folks will have him there, but I mean, I still view him as a top 15, uh, maybe top 15 right-handed pitcher, I'd say, maybe even top 20, you know, pitching prospect in baseball. And I don't know, I think 15, 150 prospects, depending on where I'm at, he might be a guy that I hang on to if I'm building towards the future. All right. So I've got a great question for you, Jake. How about if Padres phenom Luis Patino is available and nobody has him and you can pick him up, but you need a spot, would you take him over Hunter Green? Would I take Luis Patino over Hunter Green? Um, or someone like Patino that maybe is only a year away from being in the majors, a year or less away. Right. And, well, that's the other thing. <laughs> you know, not to, to uh, make excuses here, but team context has a lot to do with it, too. I think the, the Padres are showing us that they're willing to be a little more aggressive with their guys. And, you know, I think it goes back. Let, just to answer your question, first off, I don't think – that I am moving Hunter Green for Luis Patino. I don't. I don't think so. Just because I think the, um, you know, obviously love the fastball, and I always look at these guys like I kind of look at Hunter Green and maybe a guy like Sixto Sanchez in the same boat, and I always look at that skill set and think I don't have to have, I don't have to have Hunter Green at the top of the Reds rotation to get value from him. I can have Hunter Green in a late inning reliever role and still get pretty decent value for him. And, you know, that's just, it's all, it's personal preference too. You know, I like, uh, I like a, a nice fastball and, um, you know, maybe a change up combination. And, uh, I like when those guys are electric at 19, 20 years old as well. Um, but yeah, no, if, if Patino is, uh, if the Padres are aggressive with him, um, then I can, you know, eat crow in a couple of years, I guess you could say. When uh, when Hunter Green's still on the mend and, and Patino's a twenty year old uh, winning you know winning a bunch of games with the Padres. Fair enough. Well, let's hope we see Hunter back on the mound maybe late twenty twenty uh, at least by um, opening year twenty twenty one. Yeah, and you know now the uh, Chattanooga Lookouts who are right up the road from me are, are back with the the Reds this year after they've been with Pensacola and Double A for a while so. Um, you know, I was a little upset for that news, not saying that Hunter Green would have been in double A this year, but, uh, you know, it kind of delays those live looks for me, um, with him anyway. Sure. Um, one, one last piece of news here to, to touch on. Um, we had a trade today, Kevin Pillar going to the San Francisco Giants, kind of an interesting trade from, um, a major league perspective, if you will, between these two, two teams who will more than likely not be very competitive this year. Um, but I'd like to focus on the on the prospect aspect here, and and that's uh, right-handed pitcher Juan De Paula, who's who's out of the Dominican. And Scott, I don't know if if you know much about him, but he's a guy who's bounced around a lot, um, and you know, it's 21 years old at this time. Um, I think the the fastball is really what has carried him up to this point, and he can hit around 98. It sounds like it's got a lot of movement to it. I, I've just watched film on him briefly after hearing about this trade, but um, this is going to be his fourth team. He's just 21 years old, and it's going to be his fourth team. And um, it sounds like he's not a guy who is going to be very high on Blue Jays' lists. Um, so, you know, maybe we'll probably start to see some movement for him 
uh, just because we tend to, to see that after guys are involved in, in trades and, and so forth. I don't know a lot about the Paula. I think the most I know about the Paula is I have, I think, his first Bowman Chrome card, which is a purple parallel autograph, which is pretty cool, but it was from his time on the Yankees. And was that two or three teams ago? Yeah, it was. I think uh, I think it was Mariners first, and then he was in that Ben Gamble trade, I believe. Um, yeah, so Yankees was his second team, I think. Okay. Yeah. He was number 23 on Paul Aton's uh, Giants top 50 list um, a couple months ago, um, talking about how the Giant they had acquired DePaula in the McCutcheon trade last summer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe a back-end bullpen piece. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, speaking of some movement with some of these players, um, I think that you have a maybe a couple names, a couple guys that uh, you want to throw out to some of our listeners that might be able to add some value to, the, to their dynasty teams this year. You know, I was just going through some uh, – some of my rosters and, and in conversations with a couple of my co-owners, one guy, uh, these are all prospect eligible, still under the 130 at bat or 50 innings pitched in the majors uh, threshold. So depending on league rules, you may be able to pick up these guys for free, uh, a simple claim or however the league works, but uh, an outfielder, for the Orioles, Dwight Smith Jr., he's starting for them right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, has been having a decent first week of the season. Uh, I haven't been really high on him. I don't, I haven't tracked his career for the last couple of years, but um, knowing that he's with the majors now, um, it's just one of these small amounts of players that are prospect eligible that you might be able to grab and plug into a lineup. If you're, you know, trying to compete and get some points right now, and I love that that's where, uh, you know, that's where you the, the first guy that you bring up plays for the Orioles because obviously a team that's not going to be very good, and um, you know that's where you can really find some pretty good value. That's where you really need to hunt, especially at this time of year when it's early in the season and um, you know people are guys are signing extensions left and right and. And we're talking about Vlad being down and, you know, Tatis is homering. And, you know, you can sneakily go in here and get a guy like Dwight Smith who does have some, you know, a little bit of major league experience. And uh, I think he was a former first-round pick, if I'm not mistaken, uh, a while back. Um, but, yeah, you know, we can really go and hunt some some value. So um, I, I think that's a great call um, to start off. You know, and, and another next guy I want to bring up is on an, another team that probably isn't going to win more than 70 games. So uh, if that maybe 65 Detroit Tigers and uh, a guy they've got that uh, just started the other day and did OK. Spencer Turnbull. Spencer uh, Turnbull has 21 and a third innings pitched in the major leagues. Um, you know, five innings the other day. He had 16 and a third last year. Um I have to give credit to Andy Patton, our Brewers contributor. Uh, when we were doing our uh, 2014 50 round deep uh, NFBC draft uh, a month or so ago, uh, just looking for players that might help me in the majors this year. Uh, when we were, you know, getting in the second half of that draft, he uh, asked me about Turnbull. I said, "Oh, he's available," and I think I grabbed him with one of my next picks. 
Um, and now he's in their rotation. So maybe another bad team player that's going to get time uh, contributor. Yeah, and, and I was covering um, the Midwest League a few years ago. And, uh, and you know, that's a guy that I saw uh, come through that system pretty quickly, the Tigers system. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's a name that we're familiar with. And, you know, I think the Tigers actually have a couple of those guys that might be able to come up and contribute this year. They've, they've got an interesting combination of, of pitchers at the top of their system that aren't necessarily going to win Cy Young Awards. But you could easily see, you know, four or five of them having three or four year um, decent MLB careers. And I think, you know, Turnbull's another one of those guys. And um, I didn't realize that he was 26 years old either. <laughs> and, yeah. and I didn't even know he pitched, uh, that he pitched with the, the big club last year either. So doesn't look like that went as well. But you're right. He, you know, he had a, a pretty decent first start to this year. Yeah. So shout out to Andy. He'll be happy that. Uh, yeah. Gave him the credit there. One other guy I wanted to, to talk about, and that's uh, someone I honestly did not know of uh, until I saw him in 20, was it 2018? I believe it was the 2018 Bowman Platinum set, going back to baseball cards here, um, Matt Festa from the Mariners. I, I see the card. I'm like, I don't know who this player is, and had to look him up. And so he's a relief pitcher and he's with the Mariners right now he's on their big league club and he's pitched 12 and two-thirds innings in the majors so minors eligible still and he could be a back-end bullpen piece for them especially with Hunter Strickland down now for like I think I read like eight to 12 weeks yeah if you've got uh if you've got deep rosters absolutely go ahead and, and take a chance on on Matt Festa as well, at least until the Mariners can figure out that bullpen situation. It sounds like there's a lot of moving pieces over there. At least, you know, at least if you're in a holds league, he's got three appearances so far, and two of them are holds this year. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a lot of value there. So those are my major league, minor league eligible guys for episode three of Futures Focus. How about that? I like it. I like it. Go out and add, add those guys. <laughs> Great stuff there. Hey, Scott, I, I think I failed to mention, too, that, uh, you know, later on in this episode, we'll be joined by Jason Waddell, who uh, who writes at, at Prospects 1500, also one of the guys, one of the founders over at Prospects Live as well, you know, covers the, the Braves system here. So we're going to talk a little bit of Braves prospects before we hit the break and uh, bring Jason on. Is there anything else you want to want to cover? I just, you know, before we take a little break and bring Jason on, I did want to tell you about a really cool event that I was fortunate enough to attend tonight with my uh, oldest son, Adam. Uh, we shot down uh, I-91 here from uh, Western Mass down to Hartford, Connecticut, uh, over at Dunkin' Donuts Park, the home of the uh, AA affiliate Hartford Yard Goats uh, from the Rockies. And they had a meet the team night. And I'm able to uh, attend that sort of thing because I have a uh, not only a Prospects 1500 relationship with the team, but also uh, in my real-life work job um, uh, arrangement with them. So we were able to uh, attend this event. It's really cool. And we're in the YG club, which is their indoor lounge, you know, upstairs, uh, above, um, the main concourse. And so all of the players from the team were lined up sitting at a whole row of tables 
and you could walk through and, and say hi to them and, and meet them. And they were signing autographs. You know, people were, were walking through the lines with baseballs and um, player jerseys and caps. Of course, I had some baseball cards with me. Um, so it was really cool. I got to meet, I'm looking at Michael Parnell's top 50. Um, 10 of his top 36 guys are, are there and on the yard goats. Um, including uh, Tyler Nevin and Colton Welker, uh, who are who are some of the the top names um, in the system. And but you know, uh, I'm just going to read through a few names because it's really cool. Some of these guys, I I'm excited to really watch play this year. Uh, catcher Brian Servin, uh, outfielder Vince Fernandez, um, pitcher Ben Bowden, um, another outfielder uh, Willie Abreu. Um, second base, Brett Boswell. It was kind of funny. They had name cards in front of each player. So as you walk through the line, you could tell uh, and understand who they were. And Brett's first name has one T. And of course, they had spelled it with two T's. And he had crossed off the second T. So it made for a funny little uh, discussion that we had while he was signing um, my son's baseball. And I said, you know what, Brett, it's just like they used to do with Brett Hart and old WWF days. They would have two T's on his name until they got it right. I said, just let your performance uh, talk for you over the next few weeks. And then I'm sure everyone will be spelling it right. <laughs> yeah. Make him, make him remember the name. So he had a little chuckle with that, but you know, it was pretty cool. And, um, it's, it's nice to, you know, put the, the faces and the voices with the names and getting to meet the guys in person. Cause I don't know if I'll, I'll actually get to, you know, act, talk to them again during the season. And some of these guys will be gone, you know, before we know it, maybe off to AAA. You never know. Um, that's what happened with Garrett Hampson last year. So uh, I just wanted to mention that. Yeah. And, and go back and check out, Michael did a, uh, some great preview work with, uh, with the yard goats, right? Didn't, wasn't he writing some of those, some of those previews as well? Yeah, that was really cool. We did a player profile series, um, that the yard goats, uh, did on their Facebook and mm -hmm. they, uh, they did it in conjunction with, with us and, you know, had our prospects 1500 logo on each. I think there were 10 players we expect to see in Hartford this year. Uh, and then the general manager of the team, Mike Abramson told me tonight that, um, you know, he said, Scott, please, you know, come to us, let us know when there's a promotion and a guy's going to be joining us, uh, from Lancaster, uh, we'll, we'll know a lot about the player maybe before they do. And he said, we can continue the series. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's great. And I just have one last follow-up question for you. Then we'll jump to break. Did you wear the prospects 1500 yard goats Jersey to the event tonight? Affirmative. And you got to tell us the origin of the Prospects 1500 Yard Goat jersey. Is that just something you, you decided, hey, this is my hometown team up here. I'm going to get me a Prospects 1500 jersey, or how'd that come about? I didn't. I'm not one of those guys that likes to put my name on a customized Major League Baseball jersey. I know that plenty of people do that. So I wanted to get a home white Yard Goats jersey last year, and I didn't really know of a player that I wanted to get his number and name. Um, so why not put 1500 on the back of the Jersey had to get smaller numbers than the normal size they use, but yeah, embroidered on the back prospects, 1500 
looks pretty cool. Um, and you know what? If you go to the Yard Goats Instagram feed, they actually took a photo of people in line, and I'm smack dab in the middle of the photo handing a Sharpie to Colton Welker. Uh, and my son just pointed that out to me. They also have a time-lapse video on their Twitter feed, uh, which if you watch closely, you see us walk through. As uh, it, It's pretty funny. Yeah, absolutely. Easy to find that 1500. <laughs> well, well, good stuff, Scott. Let's uh, let's take a quick break here before we have Jason Waddell come on with us uh, for episode three of Futures Focus, a Prospects fifteen hundred podcast. All right, we're back on Prospects fifteen hundred Futures Focus. And Jake and I are very glad to have Jason Waddell from Prospects 1500 and Prospects Live on the podcast with us tonight. And Jason, thank you for joining us. How the heck are you? I'm doing great, Scott. Uh, just ready to ramp up the uh, minor league season and get it started. Yeah, uh, Jake was just telling me that we've got minor league opening day coming up this week on April 4th. How about that? I'm sure you're psyched. Yeah, I've I've been watching a lot of amateur baseball, and it's just really I don't I don't know I I don't have a future at like D one baseball. I'll just <laughs> say that. All right. Well, that is actually one of my questions for a little later in this chat about uh, where you think your your future is going to take you in the next couple of years. So uh, I'll table that for now. But um, again, we really are glad to have you on board with us. If you could, for our listeners. Just let us know, you know, where you're from, how you got into the minor league baseball business, and what you're currently doing. Oh, well, uh, I'm from uh, Durham, North Carolina, and I live in Tampa, Florida. Uh, that's where I'm based out of. Um, I really just kind of stumbled ass backwards into this in really the most random way possible. Um, it's kind of funny, Scott. You know, you, you, you mentioned uh, having me bring this up, but... Uh, you know, for anyone looking to get into this business, I mean, this is kind of how I got started. So I think you're already one step ahead of the game if you, you know, as long as you're already writing. But you had asked me to uh, go cover uh, an all, you asked me to go to the, the Florida State League All Star game. And I thought you wanted to go uh, like you had flown down. Yeah, let's go out and have, hang out and have some beers. Because that wouldn't have been the first time that we had uh, you'd come down to Florida and we had we had gone to a game together. So I thought that that's what you were doing. And uh, you mentioned uh, the site, which I was aware of um, at the time, and uh, I, and basically said you wanted me to just take some pictures and whatnot of the game. And 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 I couldn't believe you know that I was able to get a, like a press pass to do that. And so I took pictures and. I created a Twitter account, and I just all of a sudden, I guess we're here having this conversation now. It's It's been like a weird year and a half. It's kind of wild. You know what, Jason? I'm just thinking about that day. It was in Lakeland. It was a Florida, All-Star, Florida State League All-Star game from 2017, I believe. Yeah. And um, I posted a, a column by our Cardinals writer uh, yesterday. And the photo that I used was from Tom Haggerty, uh, Lakeland local on Flickr. And 
it was a picture of Randy Arozarena, Cardinals prospect from that day, from the home run derby. Oh yeah, he was hitting tanks that night, buddy. Yeah, it was pretty. I, I saw that and I said, "That's where Jason was." And I think you interviewed a player that day too. Yeah, uh, I had talked to uh, Andrew Schwab, um, who was with the Yankees. Um, I it, it it really started off weird for me because. You know, I didn't know I didn't know what to do um, when I got there. Uh, you know, I didn't have the equipment that other people had. But you know, like I tell most people, fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it it just kind of what it did was it started uh, this desire to get into even even paying attention to minor leaguers outside of a couple dynasty leagues where you know I couldn't really go that deep at the time. Um, I really didn't get into this uh, because I loved uh, I, I loved covering prospects. It, it it was just weird. I think being at the game and and seeing it from you know briefly that side, you know from the press box and 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 from a writer's side and looking to provide content and and having people respond to that. That's really kind of why I, I think I started doing it because. This was just a one-time, a one-time gig you had set up for me. Yeah, and I said, "Hey, let's start to build up your Twitter followers and post some pictures and some video, and I bet you'll start to gain some traction there." And yeah, well, yeah. I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. You know, I, I wasn't a, you know, I wasn't a scout. Um, you know, I had done some training with with young pitchers, but you know, I wasn't, I wasn't a scout. You know. Uh, slow motion video, I could I could find an injury, or or uh, or I could see um not a, not an injury, but poor mechanics or anything like that. But I wasn't a scout, and and I really didn't consider myself a writer, and I damn sure wasn't a photographer. So you know, but what I did was it was just let me just go to these places that that are close to me, and it just happened to be that you know no one really shows up to GCL games. And so very early on, you know, I was able to, to, you know, shoot some cell phone video with, you know, of, of, of a guy like Drew Waters. And that gained some popularity. Braves fans went crazy when they found out, you know, that, that there was someone at the game and it wasn't just Matt Powers, you yeah. know, live tweeting the game from, from Pennsylvania. Right. Oh, they're like, oh, there's somebody else who's here too. So, you know, I, you know, he, he had retweeted and, and, some of my stuff and, and got, got it on like the, the radar Braves fans. And I just kept, I just kept going and I just kept shooting video. And, and I think the methods got a little bit more uh, sophisticated and um, I learned what I was really good at and what I, what I wasn't and able to find out the things that I brought enjoyment to the process and not stress. And I just think uh, I, here we are today. It's it's been like a, a a player development dream come true, I guess. Absolutely. So now, fast forward from from the beginning a couple years ago, and and your learning process, and then you get together with a good group of your buddies, and you start Prospects Live uh, last season. Can you tell us your vision for that, and kind of how it came about, and and where you're going with it now well you know writing for prospects 1500 what i found was um you know i wanted to write a little bit more about a lot 
you know, a lot more things, right? So, you know, I didn't have too much to add to the conversation, but there was a lot of conversation that I felt like I wanted to have. And so, um, you know, I had started like my own little, my own little blog for stuff that wasn't prospects 1500 appropriate. Uh, and <clears throat> I think I got on with baseball prospectus early on and I realized that wasn't a place where that sort of environment was going to be fostered for me. Um, and seeing, I think the back end of, of some of the way that, or one of the saying, I'm sorry, seeing the back end of the ways that, uh, a massive, you know, a website with a massive following like that has, uh, honestly, I, I, it, it left me wanting more and talking with Ralph early on, it just kind of blossomed into this sort of thing where, you know, I think we we're both looking for something different. I think we we're both looking for something that was our own and something that we could control. And I think that we were looking for something that we could both, uh, really use, uh, our voices in, in an really an overcrowded niche, but there's still like some cracks in there for where, you know, for, for where we need to take the conversation with prospects. We're still on this fantasy dynasty. What are tools? What are scouting? I, you know, there, there's a lot of information out there that we're throwing at people. And I, and I, I think that a lot of sites do it really well, but I don't think any sites do all of it. Really, I don't think there's a five-tool production out there. I think Baseball America is the closest, and and they're an institution. Um, and I think that was our vision for it. That's what we wanted to do. And it was always one of these things where he was going to bring, you know, he had already been talking to to Matt and, and Lance about this, and me and uh, Panini had already talked about, you know, if he wasn't with the Brewers, we were going to do our own thing. Yeah. Anyways, and so the five of us just kind of came together. And it's it's been like a it's been a fun ride. It's been stressful as hell. I'm not going to lie to you, but it's it's been a fun ride so far. And we ha- we're just now starting the season. That's the crazy thing. We haven't even gotten into where our true niche is. We've just been we've just been bored trying to fill the 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 space all winter. We haven't even gotten into where we really excel. Sure. Yeah. And and we're looking forward to uh, great great content from Prospects Live. So uh, I'll take that as a little transition tool here. And, and Jake, I know that you've been just chomping at the bit to talk to Jason about some of these Braves prospects. But before we do, Jason, I think of you, I think of those Florida State League teams. I think of the Phillies. I think of the Blue Jays. I think of the, the Tigers and the Yankees. But you're still able to cover the Braves prospects for, for us on prospects 1500. So that's where we kind of want to focus the next few minutes of, of our conversation. And uh, Jake, you know, I'm going to just kind of throw it over to you there to uh, hit him up with, with the guys you wanted to chat about. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, while I do cover <clears throat> the Rangers at prospects 1500, I am a, a Georgia boy still live in Georgia. So oh, I can hear it. So I was, I was itching to, to get Jason on. You know, when Scott asked me last week who I wanted to have on uh, the podcast next week, it, it was no hesitation to have Jason on here because I wanted to talk uh, Braves prospects. In particular, I want to talk about this 1A, 1B situation we got going at the top, Jason. 
Okay. And I'm curious to know if, you know, for those who haven't read the top 50 yet, you've got Tukey at 1A and, and Christian Pache at 1B. And I'm curious to know if you were rewriting your list today, if one of those guys would stand alone at number one, or if you'd have somebody else at the top of that list. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you got to, uh, you got to be willing to change it up. And because I, I came, when I wrote that, that was in, in January. So I'm coming off Tukey being the one pitcher in that rotation outside of Soroka that I feel like has separated himself. I feel like he's separated from, from Wright and Wilson. And he flashes just SP1 stuff with the athleticism. And, and it's exciting. But even at 1A, he still had a ton of risk, right? We, we know about the command. Um, Pache really had a strong AFL. But I felt like um, I felt like it, when I saw him, he was still kind of struggling with some of the th- same things that he did in the in the Florida State League, mainly just inconsistent uh, swings. Just he'll give it bats away sometimes, um, sliders away. So even though Pache was was one of the talk of the uh, one of the guys that was the talk of the town in Arizona, and, and you know scouts were just raving him, raving about him. Um, I still felt like they both had an enormous amount of risk for being the top prospects in a system this deep. From what we've seen in spring, I think Pache has separated himself um, above and beyond everyone else. I think it is it is clear how the Braves view him, uh, the way that you know they kept him in spring all year, and then the fact that. Uh, he just hit everything in sight. You know, he looked physically stronger. And I think he's a guy that still has a lot more strength without without sacrificing athleticism in the tank. So to me, it wouldn't even be a, a situation of 1A and 1B. It would be tier one Pache. And then I really got to think about like the other guys. You know, what are they going to... Can't, are they necessarily tier one players? Are they perennial all-stars? And outside of Waters and, and maybe William Contreras, I don't think any of the pitchers, I think there's just too much risk with them. There's too much variance sometimes. And and so, you know, you hope that one of these guys turns into DeGrom and, and they have the, I mean, I think they have the stuff to do it. But, you know, as we've seen with Wright and Wilson, man, they really struggled in it in a really tough environment against a, a really tough lineup but it was struggling to throw strikes and these are guys that that show pretty decent command in the minors so that it's it's hard with these pitchers to really fall in love with them to the point where you would you would hang that tier one on them so hey jason, hey jason you don't bump Wright and wilson ahead of tukey just because they broke camp with the major league squad do you I think you can with Wright. Um, I mean, I was watching the the his start, the fact that I believe it was Buster Olney or or Tim Kirkjian was one of these tiny guys on ESPN talking about that there were scouts that told him that Kyle Wright was the best pitcher in all of Florida that they had seen. So I thought Kyle Wright, it was more, it was less about Tukey regressing be, or, or not taking hold of the job. I think Kyle Wright might have passed Tukey. 
Um, and, and Bryce is one of those guys <clears throat> that still just has so much projection, but you know, I, I, I just don't know what he's, I just don't know ultimately where his role is because I feel like he could be a guy. He, he pitches like he could be top of the rotation at times, but then at, at other times you look at him and you think maybe, maybe dominant reliever. Maybe he's the answer to to the Braves bullpen roles, or I'm sorry, bullpen woes. So I feel like there's a lot of variance with both Tukey and Bryce. I feel like now Kyle Wright and Soroka are the 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 top two starting pitchers, and and for me it would probably be Pache one, uh, Soroka two, Wright three, Tukey four. Maybe Ian Anderson above above at four. I don't know. Maybe Ian Anderson at two. I don't know. <laughs> Well, I guess they're, we'll they're see. too good, man. Well, I guess we'll see when you do your midseason list. Yeah, yeah. I I need more information now. The Braves are one of those teams where, just depending on the way the wind blows, um, you know, those at least the top ten prospects, you could almost just reshuffle them. And if you said, "Hey, William Contreras is the number one prospect," it'd be like, "Okay, all right, all yeah. right." Yeah. That's something we talked about. Uh, we were kind of analyzing your list on the last episode, and we were talking about Wilson and Wright making the rotation. And we're sitting here looking at them at, at eight and nine on a January list, and we're saying, "Yeah, but when you're looking at this Braves list, that's uh, that's a pretty good spot to be." Yeah. Uh, but I don't want to spend too much time on these top guys because you know I think a lot of folks know the names. What I will say about Pache is, um, I always kind of viewed him as a uh, I don't know maybe a defense speed first kind of guy, but. Um, you know, I think we all know the strides that he made with the power this year, and I, I think you're right. To me, that that kind of made him the the clear cut guy, if you will. Um, but I do want to jump to one left hander in the system here, and I'm just going to ask you, you straight up: Should we be trying to sell Luis Gohara right now while we can still maybe get a little something in return for him? No, because I think you'd be selling low on him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm not giving up on this guy. Um, he had a really, really bad season last year, and it was m- probably more off the field issues than on the field issues. I'd probably 75 25. Um, I think his floor is eighth inning guy. So if you're, in a, if you're in a dynasty league and you need closers, you need a closer type arm, Gahara's not Gahara at his peak blows a guy like Vizcaino out of the water. Mm-hmm. Shit, you might even be able to say that about A.J. Mentor as well. Um, because I think Gahara just has more in the tank than than A.J. Mentor does. A.J. Mentor's always been a reliever. You know, so I, I wouldn't sell on him. I He could have a huge bounce back this year, and he's still a top 100 prospect. Mm-hmm. So sell him high. Let him come up and do like a Sir Anthony Dominguez and then sell him. Well, speaking of you know possible bounce-back guys, let's talk about uh, Patrick Weigel real quick. Um, if he's able to let me say let me put it this way. Pre-injury, did you have him up there with maybe like some, you know, Ian Anderson kind of guys like that? Uh, I think just based off him being a little bit older, no. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those, these other guys are so young that, you know, they're playing at the same level as, and, and have surpassed Weigel. Well, Weigel did make it to triple a, um, but no, 
No, I wouldn't have him up there, but he was he's he he would have on the outside right right after Allard and Wentz and Muller. You know, because I felt like a lot of lists tradi- traditionally had those guys at the back end of the top 13, top 12, 13. And it was always, for me, it was like, who's that 14th best prospect? I think, I think Weigel can probably surpass those expectations if he's healthy. Because I do think that you're going to see regression from some of the guys ahead of him. Right. And, and it could just, and it, and it could just be not necessarily regression in, in stuff, but I think regression in perception, which is everything, right? So if based on the two starts we've seen from Wright and Wilson, if those are the type of struggles with command that they're going to have, then they're going to exceed their rookie limits. They're going to be on the sh- they're going to be on the bus shuttled back and forth from Gwinnett to uh, to Atlanta, and it's going to be a lot like Max Freed, where it's wait, this guy's still really young and still really good too, and is barely a a, a, a non prospect anymore. And they're going to get lost in that. And that perception of these other guys is just going to increase their value so much. So I think Weigel, can, I mean, I think you can make a case that he's top 12. I wouldn't put him ahead of some of these elite arms, though. Yeah, so I, I think another interesting guy to look at here is, and a guy that I'm probably higher on than a lot of people in this system, and I think it's just one of those, uh, you know, bias that I got to see him play in, or in uh, excuse me, Rome a few times. Uh, is Grayson Janista, and when I saw this dude standing in the on-deck circle, I said, man, it was my first time seeing him live, first time seeing him up close, and I said, you know, I can just tell that the, that the ball is going to sound, you know, pretty impressive coming off this guy's bat, and he went up and, and homered in his first at-bat of that game. So uh, what what do you see, uh, maybe let's talk about the ceiling of a guy like Grayson Janista. Well, it's interesting, you meant, you mentioned him, he is a big dude. And I think there's power in the bat. But for a college hitter, and Wichita State has a good program, so for, for a, a dominant college hitter to come into the Sally League and have that much trouble with change-ups, that kind of, I don't want to say it soured me on Genista, but it I definitely pumped the brakes on him. And... This he's consistently out on his front foot, hitting off of his front foot. Um, sometimes you can beat him with fastballs. I'm interested to see what a full season will do for him. He should start at Florida, and uh, and sh- so I should be able to see him throughout the months and see kind of where he's come from from uh, last looks in instructional league till now. I think that's going to be a, one of the fun parts of being in the Florida State League and a Braves fan at the same time. And then I just have one more here too, and I think this this is a guy that I'm just going to ask you to to kind of give us a scouting report on if you can, because I think he's one of the lesser known guys in the system for some reason, and that's uh, that's C.J. Alexander, um, you know, who I think he went down and played in Florida last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. Maybe just kind of give us, uh, you know, why why you have him on uh, or why you had him in January at 21 on your on your top 50. Yeah. So he's a he's an athlete. He's tall frame, um, athletic, strong, um, not really loose though at the, at the plate. The swing is a little stiff. Uh, he will go to all fields. Um, I haven't seen enough of it 
to notice if it's just if it's an if it's an issue with with kind of the way he swings or if it's in, intentional, because um, some of these guys will kind of rotate that front shoulder a little too bit and a little too far, and that'll that'll result in a lot of left-handers hitting to left center. But this guy really does find the barrel quite a bit. I think that's the most impressive thing that I saw about him. Um, I didn't see a swing geared toward loft. I didn't see plus power potential. I've seen Braves Twitter lose their mind over that. That's not, that's not him yet. Um, but a lot of his numbers were kind of Babbitt fueled. He's had like a, a, an insane 450 Babbitt. Um, part of that was his ability to make a lot of hard contact, but I'm curious to see what he does a full season in in the Florida State League. Uh, he had a cup of coffee at the end of the season. He did pretty well, but you know this is a different type league. And going, I think going into this season, I think for him and Genista, this is going to be a really good test for them. And uh, I'm just I'm pumping the brakes on Alexander. I've heard you know people ask me if is can is does he make Austin Riley expendable? No, <laughs> he is he is a nice twentieth round pick. Um, in order for him to be a steal in the 20th round, he just has to play in double a, that's a steal in the 20th round. So I think he's, I think he's pretty good. I think there's a lot to like, but let's pump the brake on some pump the brakes on some of these projections. Those, those numbers, there's, there's, they're a little bit deceiving and, and don't, this is a, this is why you don't trust minor league stats. And so, uh, we'll, we'll see how he does this year. Yeah, and and Scott, I think that's all I had for Jason. But you know, I think something that we're gonna kind of tend to do here when we talk about these systems is is kind of throw it out to our correspondents and see if maybe there's anybody lower on the list or maybe not even on the list on the January list at all that they want to uh, bring up for some of our from some of our dynasty folks. Absolutely, and you know what? I just have one guy I wanted to ask Jason about before we uh, wrap up this segment. And uh, Jason, Izzy Wilson, he's at the top of your tier four list, you had him ranked 24th. Um, likelihood of making the majors at some point, but maybe not a huge contributor. You actually said that a case could be made that he is the best overall athlete in the system. That was a couple months ago. And just curious on your stance as we head into the season with Izzy Wilson. Well, the tools are really loud, but, you know, he just if you throw him anything with spin or change speeds on him he just can't do anything with it and so the hit tool has to the hit tool is only you know athleticism's only so good at some point it's got to translate in the batter's box um i think at this point best case scenario fourth outfielder but i think he's going to be a late bloomer it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up being a just one of those perennial quad A guys. Um, but it also wouldn't surprise me if this is it. If high A is just the uh, that's that's his that's his ceiling. But he's still young. He's still an athlete. Yep. Um, he's going to be challenged this year. And I think the Braves sending Drew Waters to uh, to to Double A is good because then you can kind of just give Wilson a full season at Florida in center field. There's no one behind him on the depth chart. And, you know, there's now there's no need for him to, to 
to kind of play off center field uh, with you know these guys that are so far advanced and and ahead of him. It's they can put him in center field every day, stick him at I would stick him at the bottom at the lot of the lineup and just let him be Izzy Wilson and see what happens. All right. Well, Jason, we thank you again for joining us, and we'd love to check in with you a little later on uh, as we get into the season. I'm hoping to catch up with you in a couple of weeks when I'm down in Florida. And um, other than everyone searching the internet and finding you and Eddie drinking beer and eating hot wings, um, tell us where we can find you, where we can follow you, and uh, all of your your contact info there. Well, on Twitter, I'm at Jason at the game, and uh, that's where you can find me. Uh, you can read my stuff, uh, my works um, at Prospects Live on Twitter or at uh, on the website prospectslive.com. Uh, we have a lot of good stuff coming out this uh, this season. We're currently uh, about to launch Netflix style all of our uh, minor league uh, minor leagues individual leagues uh, previews. So that's a that's been a fun a fun task as these rosters come out at what feels like the 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 twenty third hour. Yes, I think just today I got the um, the Hartford Yard Goats announced their roster for this year and. Um, just a day before uh, they have their big meet the team event. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to be an editor and, and, uh, and a creator of content when we're getting down to the wire like this for me, but uh, you know, that'll build character. Awesome. Well, uh, we wish you the best with uh, your work on prospects live. I wish you the best in diamond duos and diamond duos too. Oh, I'm winning DD one baby. (laughs) It is over shots fired. To the league, who's playing for second? <laughs> um, seventh year of this dynasty league. That would be awesome to see you up top this year. You know, can I just, can I just, I almost need, you know what, I need to screenshot my team because my team is a prospect fiend's wet dream. <laughs> my team in this league. Please do screenshot it and I'll retweet that out from Prospects 1500. We'll get a lot of feedback on that i'm sure all right i'm gonna do that now please please do that and uh again thanks for uh coming on with jake and me uh tonight um this has uh, been jason waddell from prospects live and prospects 1500 and uh, we will be back in just a short break on futures focus a prospects 1500 podcast when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back here on Futures Focus, a Prospect 1500 podcast. Scott, great stuff with Jason today. Great conversation with some some players in the news. Uh, I'm curious to know now, looking towards the future, um, you know, with opening day, minor league opening day, knocking on the door here, you got any games planned? You got any trips planned? You going to go out and, uh, and see some of these players in action? 
Yeah, I've got uh, tickets to opening night in Hartford. That's not really a surprise to anyone who's been following us or listening. Um, they're hosting the Manchester, uh, Manchester, the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, who play in Manchester. Um, the next, that's Thursday night, April 4th. I'm sorry, April 11th. And then uh, Saturday night, April 13th. I've, I'm hoping to catch two games that series. My family and I are heading down to Clearwater for vacation on the 16th and we'll be down in in uh, that neck of the woods for almost a week and I'm hoping to catch a at least two maybe a few Florida State League games hoping to catch up with uh with Jason Waddell um I know Ralph Lifshitz is going to be uh, on vacation down there with his family um Eddie and uh Eddie and Ralph and Jason might even, we we all might get together for a game so, um, you know, might be Thresher's game, might be Dunedin Blue Jays. Would love to catch Casey Mize with the Lakeland Flying Tigers uh, if it works out somehow. I know that I can't make it to Lakeland, but I know Lakeland's visiting Dunedin a couple days during that week. So so that might work. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And um, probably myself, I'm not going to be out in Fenway uh, in Boston until uh, early June. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's always you know a little more fun on those trips. Is sometimes we got to wait a couple weeks and and see who's going to be playing where. Uh, you know, by by that point with these guys moving around and so yeah, I like your style. You guys don't commit to anything until you find out some some good pitching matchups and then exactly and commit to something. Well, hey, you know, I'll pop up to to Rome from time to time and go check out the Braves Single A affiliate. I'm lucky enough to have the Southern League right down the road from me in Birmingham and a a pretty good shot up to Chattanooga as well. always see some talent come through there. But uh, I'm actually going to hit up the Atlanta Braves uh, tomorrow night uh, when they they take on the Chicago Cubs. So, you know, one last last night where my focus can be on Major League Baseball before April 4th where – where all focus goes to the minor leagues and these prospects. But so let let me ask you, Jake, with April fourth, and that's to, uh, this week, opening day, opening night for minor league baseball. Uh, when should we be thinking we're going to have our first prospects of the week article? Uh, you know, Monday the Monday the eighth, I think, is probably a little too quick. So you want you think you want to shoot for maybe the fifteenth, somewhere around there. I think the fifteenth is ideal. Go ahead and you know let let those guys get the uh, the cobwebs out for the first couple of games, and then uh, we'll we'll give a, a bigger sample for our prospect of the week and a half. You know, we'll we'll temporarily rename that that awesome. article. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, speaking of futures, you mind if I drop a little uh, info on uh, this summer in Cleveland? Please do. The people need to know about this. So uh, our annual trek uh, to All-Star City uh, takes us to Cleveland, Ohio this July, and we will be hosting the second annual Prospects 1500 Conference on the morning of Sunday, July 7th. I believe that's the date. And we have a group of our Prospects 1500 staff contributors that will be with us, a small group. Uh, and I do have some seats that are available, and we'll be opening them up to the public uh, for them to join us at our Prospects 1500 um, conference. And the cool thing about it is I'm working on lining up a few special guests 
um, you know, people from the industry and they'll come and for about an hour do some prospects Q&A with us. We did it in Washington, D.C. last year. We had uh, Brent Hershey from Baseball HQ, had um, Ben Badler from Baseball America, and I had Adam McInturf from 2080 Ball. And it was just an awesome experience. So I've got a couple people that are tentatively lined up. I'm working on on uh, a couple more. We'll have three or four. Uh, but anyone that is a Prospects 1500 follower, a listener to the podcast, a reader of the website, if you're interested, drop us a line, uh, you know, prospects1500 at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on Twitter at prospects1500. And, um, you know, I, I, don't have, I don't have hundreds of seats, but we've got uh, a, a handful. If uh, someone's interested in joining us that morning, um, it's, it's blocks away, I would say, a stone's throw from uh, Progressive Field where the Futures game is going to be later that day, which is just awesome. It's, it's like my favorite day of the year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, that, that was a, a rock star panel that you put together last year, and, and I'm sure this year will be great as well. And, and, you know, the Futures game is exciting. And, you know, we can really have some fun with this if we, if we get some listeners and some readers out there um, to, to hang out with us a little bit. I mean, we can record, record live episodes of the podcast out there and have people tell us about their fantasy teams and, you know, maybe, maybe try and stump us on a couple and, you know, we can really have some fun with it and, uh, and, you know, make it a, a pretty good, enjoyable experience all around. And, you know, one thing, obviously I'm excited about, uh, meeting folks, readers, listeners, other folks in the industry. I'm excited about the futures game. I've never been to a futures game before. Um, so pumped about that. And then, you know, I'm also one of my things is trying to see as many minor league ballparks as possible. So I'm also looking forward to checking Lake County off that list, too, when we uh, when we take a haul out to that game. Uh, the Lake yeah. County. Yeah, I'm, en- I'm envisioning we we pack uh, we pack our prospects 1500 group of however many people into uh, one or two Ubers. And we head out there for a little group outing the night before, which is going to be that Saturday night. And they're uh, hosting the Lansing Lugnuts. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure most of you all know, but the Midwest League is home to some of the best mascots in minor league baseball, Lugnuts being one of them. Yes. (laughs) All right, Scott. Well, hey, anything else we need to touch on before we wrap this up? I'm already thinking about what we're going to be talking about on episode four and and which guest I'm going to line up for that. So I guess let me get to that and and we can – we can uh, chat a little later. Yeah, absolutely. So, Scott, why don't you go ahead and, and plug your, your Twitter handle and, and tell the folks uh, what you got going on. Well, first and foremost, uh, you know, always check us out. New content being added almost every day to the website, prospects1500.com. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash prospects1500, uh, especially on Twitter at prospects1500. And uh, if you want to follow me, I'm at Scotty underscore ball game and uh, not just baseball prospect stuff. I will tell you that you will see some pro wrestling and Bruce Springsteen and walking dead. And I'm all over the place on Twitter. So uh, hoping people aren't too, too fickle, but <laughs> I'm, I, I have fun on there and uh, certainly we'll be having fun this weekend in New York and New Jersey with my son at WrestleMania. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. And and the best way to get in touch with me is on Twitter at Barry's underscore baseball, B-E-R-R-Y-S underscore baseball. 
Um, most of my stuff is baseball related. I might be watching an Atlanta Hawks game and Trey Young does something that excites me and, and I might, uh, let a basketball tweet slip here and there, but, um, you know, it's all, it's all sports related, majority prospects related, a lot of Texas Rangers and a lot of Atlanta Braves stuff. Um, and then obviously I'm putting out new content with prospects 1500. You can also find me at legends on deck.com as well, uh, where we've got a good group of writers putting stuff out daily. And um, some and some weightlifting videos, my friend. <laughs> That's right. I do I do post the occasional powerlifting video in in one of my I guess I have three lives, right? I have my my work life, my baseball life, and I have a a powerlifting life, which is uh, is basically like beating your head against the wall, just doing the same thing over and over, trying to get better at it. <laughs> I, I said it on Twitter. I'll say it again because someone asked me if I was following up with that, and I said. The lifting that you're going to get from me is with some daddy sodas, uh, a.k.a. beers, um, <laughs> you know, whether it's in New York this weekend or or in Cleveland at the at the Futures game. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, good stuff, Scott. We, we appreciate everybody listening to Futures Focus. You know, episode three is in the books. It was another great conversation and and uh, we appreciate everybody listening. It's just going to get better and better. And and stay tuned for uh, episode four of Futures Focus, a Prospects 1500 podcast.